0: Is this is this on? Yes, my lord. Good. Good. <clears throat> Hello, this is God speaking. Can we dial that down? Yes, my lord. Thanks. Welcome, new arrival to the Eternity Ward. Please take a number and make your way down to the left or the right to the waiting room. All you need is there the refreshments I made just for you. <laughs> I would tell you to steer clear of the apples, they're forbidden. Um, and the two snakes. <clears throat> I mean fools. Sorry that are chewing the fat in the corner, but you probably wouldn't listen anyway, so good luck, I bless you, and on your way.
1: Welcome to the Eternity War, where we flick through old copies of Reader's Digest, sit around and chat with our buddies while we wait for an appointment with God. I'm Chris Adams. I'm Nick McKinnon. What's been going on for you today, Mr. Nick McKinnon?
2: Uh, first day back at school for the kids. So I was driving them to school and it was a beautiful sunny morning, yeah. walking with the birds tweeting. Then when I went to pick them up in the afternoon, it was pouring with rain and windy and my umbrella was getting blown about everywhere. Sounds like Tasmanian weather. Yeah, it was Tasmanian weather. Yeah. What about you? What have you me? been up to?
1: Oh, first day back at school for me too, where I work. Um... I got painted up and had to dance on stage in front of the whole school. I did. Ooh,
2: cultural appropriation,
1: hey? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Although I was appropriated by the actual culture out of the audience <laughs> to come and join them. So it was part of the NADOC celebration. Uh, Were you thrilled to be chosen? I was told as they were doing the choosing that uh, whoever they were going to choose that this was a gift that they were going to, to give us, you know, and I'm there going, don't choose. Because I know I know Jai, the guy who runs at the, the Live and Deadly program, he's an amazing guy and we've got to get him on. But I know him and I went, he's going to pick me. He's going to pick me, isn't he? He did, and I was like, "Yeah, a gift, right? Okay." I get painted up and and have to dance around as a kangaroo, but um, but
2: it was. Is there video of that? Surely
1: there's video uh, of that. Yeah, probably, but you know, at schools they don't really release stuff when there's students <sighs> in videos to to the wider public. So no, you don't. You're never gonna see it, Nick. But um, but no, it was an honour to to do that. You know, just to walk up there and you know he goes, "Welcome, brother." You know, I like that. So that was fun.
2: What did you say under your breath when he said that? Oh, you bastard. (laughs) No, it was
1: good. Uh, But yeah, so we're here tonight doing another Eternity War. We were meant to be here last night doing an Eternity War, but um, but you piked on us. What
2: happened, Nick? Well, I was feeling a little tired, is what happened, Chris. A little tired? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I had a little uh, overdose experience. Should we be talking about this? Uh, We have... It's like an explicit lyrics podcast, isn't it? <laughs> what did you overdose on, Nick? Uh, Mountain Dew. <laughs> energized. Mountain Dew energized. Yeah, that was my mistake. Right. I went to the pizza joint. Yeah. Got some pizza. The dude said, what drink do you want? I was like, oh, crap. I don't know. Um, Mountain Dew. Gives me the Mountain Dew. We went home, drinking it, went to bed. Oh, I can't sleep. Why can't I sleep? Three o'clock. Still can't sleep. Four o'clock. Still can't sleep. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm awake all night, and it's like the next morning. My wife, Robin, was like, "Oh, how'd you sleep?" I was like, "Terribly. I didn't sleep at all." <laughs> she was like, "What happened?" And I was like, "Well, it hit me at about three or four o'clock. That bloody stuff was energy drink that I was drinking." Wow.
1: Did anyone else drink it? Was the whole family awake, or was it just you that was hoeing into the bottle on your on your own?
2: No, my kids had it, my wife had it, but just they didn't have as much as me. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, yeah. glad you're here tonight. You're properly rested now?
2: I'm um, ready to go. Right. Last night was a beautiful sleep. All right.
1: Well, tonight, as we mentioned in our last podcast, Nick, or you mentioned mm-hmm. that we will be doing a podcast soon about the gender wage gap. Yeah. Well, soon as now. We're doing it tonight.
2: Great. I've been waiting for this yeah. one.
1: And we have a guest on, and it's our first guest to to return for a second helping So it's our first, second guest. Does that make sense? Uh, (laughs) It's our favorite feminist and from what still ranks as our previously most listened to episode, the one that Ruby was on. Welcome, Ruby. What does that say
3: about me that I'm the first to return to this podcast? Can we put in an applause track behind that?
1: Nick's been learning all of his editing skills. He'll be able to do that. Nice.
3: (laughs) Um, Can I just say how disappointed I am that I did not get to see Chris's dance today? I saw on Facebook that you did that dance, Chris, and I just felt a wave of disappointment that I wasn't there.
2: We'll we'll get it to you, Ruby. (laughs) Chris will release it, won't you, Chris? thing
3: to behold. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. Glad you could make it. I should warn you before we start that to prepare for tonight, I drove um, over here listening to a Spotify playlist called Female Empowerment Songs. And (laughs) (laughs) I. (laughs) That's not a joke. It's actually the truth. And I feel very empowered by Shania Twain and Destiny's Child. (laughs) So. I don't know how you guys prepare, but it was kind of like my boxing ring, Eye of the Tiger sort of song that don't impress me much. Working Class Man, Jimmy Barnes. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Nice. So you guys have your songs too. (laughs) No,
1: but you were the last time you were on, we did an episode about feminism Mm -hmm. and you and Nick started to talk a little bit about the wage gap, but that was another whole issue that we didn't really get into and you said, well, we'll have to come back. Another time. No,
2: you are totally remembering oh, that wrong. I, I, I do that I a I brought it up and said, hey, what about the wage gap? And Ruby was like, wage gap? I don't even know what that bloody thing is.
3: I think you're both misquoting <laughs> what happened slightly there. Um, okay, guys, everyone listening, this is exactly what happened. Nick's like, I really want to talk about the wage gap. And I said, look, I'm happy to talk about it. I don't feel as confident talking on the wage gap at the moment. And so you guys showed me compassion and you allowed me to go away and do a bit more research and thinking and preparation and come back. Shall we say this is a happy medium? <laughs> of what actually Isn't that happened. what I said? Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much it. You were close. <laughs>
2: I just like to make things sound stupider than what they
1: are.
3: Yeah, okay, cool. Well, you do well at that, Nick. So. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel
1: at home. <laughs> so for this episode, Nick, I thought it would be important that we set some parameters for the conversation because sometimes when we're talking about feminist issues or something and someone wants to talk about you know what about the men they get accused of what aboutery and rude behavior and and so they should a lot of the time but this is one of those situations this conversation where i'm i'm saying what about battery it's a it's a what about free zone well not free from what about i mean what about is allowed It's allowed. So, because we need to talk about both, don't we? About both men's and women's stuff when we're going to be talking about this issue. Do you agree? You're just staring at me.
2: Yeah, well, because I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand how you can talk about men without talking about women. How can you talk about women without talking about men? Like, surely they're two sides of the same coin.
1: Often we're talking about one issue and then someone comes on to, to shut it down by bringing up, you know, the other side of the coin but it's not necessarily the, the equivalent other side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah, and so that it shuts down debate and, yeah. They're using a different coin and they're trying to play it out as the same as the other side of the coin often. That's what You're happens.
2: saying they're bringing up another issue to shut down debate about the first issue. Yeah. I'm saying they're bringing up the second issue to give a fuller picture of what's going on.
1: They can sometimes, but often that's not the case.
2: Yeah. But I'm
1: hoping that what we're going to be doing tonight is that we, we will be bringing up issues to create, you know, a fuller picture, like as you say. So that's what we're going to be attempting to do, talking about the wage gap.
2: The gender wage gap. The, the gender g- wage g- gap. The gender
1: wage gap. Where are we going to start?
2: Shall can we- I start? Yeah, you can start. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you want to start, Ruby? Do no, you-, you have somewhere to start?
3: No, you start. Go for it.
2: I'd like to start with uh, two important things that I think all of us will agree on. Yep. Uh, so the first one would be that Women and men should be free to choose to pursue whatever education and career pathways they choose. Mm -hmm. Yes. There shouldn't be any laws that prohibit either gender from an occupation or an educational pathway. That should be just pretty obvious, shouldn't
3: it? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure.
2: Cool. The second one, men and women working the same hours in the same job with the same level of education and experience, completing their work with the same level of competence should be rewarded equally.
1: Uh-huh. Yes. Yes.
2: Same wages, same promotions. So long as they're doing the same hours, the same job, same level of education and experience, completing their work with the same level of competence, they should be rewarded equally.
3: Uh-huh. Yes. Obviously. Yeah.
2: But the other side of that would be it's okay to reward people differently. If they do have, you know, if they work longer hours. If you, get, if you work longer hours, you should be paid more. If you have more experience, you should be paid more. If you have a higher level of education, you should be paid more. Mm-hmm. Those all mm-hmm. make sense, don't they? Yeah. Cool. I thought we'd all agree on those, so I
3: thought we'd start there. Nice. There are three points we all agree on.
2: Brilliant. What don't
1: we agree on? Is that where we're going to be heading to? So I mean what, what I found interesting, what you're saying there is, as far as laws are concerned within our society, you know, like we have – these structures set into into law that try and ensure that there isn't going to be inequality it's actually illegal to to pay one gender more than the other for doing exactly the same role with the same experience and you know you you're not actually allowed to do that
2: no there was the equal or was it equal work equal pay legislation in 1969 yep and then gender was added specifically in 1984 yep. to say it's explicitly illegal to pay men and women differently for the same work.
3: Yeah. yeah,
1: and so that's, you know, a lot of the feminist movement from way back then making that happen. But did they did they get what they were trying to achieve is the question. So, one, they've got the laws. We've got the laws. So, like, an employer can't go, oh, I'm not going to hire this person because they're a woman and they may go and have a child. You're not allowed to do that. You know, that's discrimination. Um, so we have the laws. And this is the thing that always gets me with you is you, you seem to argue a lot on well, there isn't inequality because under the law there isn't inequality. But for me, it's like going, yeah, but that's under the law. But in our social culture, in our does does inequality still happen? And I would argue that it does. So regardless of the law, you know, there is still things that lead towards something that I would describe as a gender wage gap and then inequality within that. So so not yeah, under not to... under the law, but under culture. That's what I want to argue.
2: Yeah, just to clear things up, I. You said that I don't think there's inequality. I do think there's inequality. Of course right. there is. Yep. But that I don't think that's what the wage gap is about. Right. The gender wage gap is not about discrimination.
1: Okay.
3: Okay. Well, do you want to expand on that, Nick? Because I think another thing we can all agree on is that there is a wage gap. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so we disagree perhaps on where it comes from and whether it's inequality and whether it can be avoided and whether it's fair. So I feel like because we know... That there's a wage gap. I would say probably the burden of proof to prove that it's not inequality is on you. Um, what? Because it's it. I mean, it's by definition women are earning 15.3 percent less than men. So, for for you to ex- explain to me how that is fair, how is yeah, it? Okay. How is it not an expression of inequality?
2: Yeah, so I'm not sure the burden of proof is on me, but regardless of that, there's plenty of proof anyway, so I'm happy to bring it up. go for it. Um, So like you said, our best figure on this is that Australia's national gender pay gap is 15.3%, so Mm -hmm. men earn 15.3% more than women. And so just to give a clear picture of what that is, what that means, according to the organisation that did this, I don't have it in front of me who that organisation was, but it's some Australian government agency, it's the gender pay gap is the difference between women and men's average weekly full-time equivalent earnings. It is a measure of women's overall position in the paid workforce and does not compare like roles. Yeah. Cool? So it doesn't compare like roles. That's yep. one of the important things that it yep. mentions in there. Um, and also one of the other important things is that it, it's specifically averaging them out into weekly full-time equivalent earnings. So like some... Uh, men's rights activists would bring up the the amount of time you work. So if you work more hours, you should be paid more. Um, the pay gap that we have in Australia, this that 15.3% figure has already taken that part out of it because it's put the hours, even the hours out in that figure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or am I no, yep. not explaining that well?
3: I know what you're saying. Cool. All
2: right. Where should I go? So you want me to explain what the difference is? What if So if it's not discrimination... What the heck accounts for that 15.3%.
3: Yeah, for sure. Is that okay with you? Okay. Yeah, that's where we go.
2: So, like I said, the issue is that it's talking about the average wages. It ignores the factors that I mentioned right at the top of the the show where – we're talking about that do justify different pay rates. So the amount of experience someone has, the different Mm. occupations that people work in, it does matter if you're working overtime. If you're working overtime hours, that matters because you should be paid more for your overtime hours than you do for your other hours. Um, If you're doing dangerous work, you do get a a different loading on top of that. Um, It matters if you've had gaps in your employment. So if you've taken a significant amount of time out of your employment to do whatever the hell you wanted to do in that period, that should matter in terms of how much money you earn. Like the most money we will earn is towards the end of our career because at that stage we've got more experience and all that sort of stuff. And so if you take 10 years out of your working life, it takes the most expensive 10 years out of your life, your working life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So all of those sort of things are what justifies that 15.3%. Now, so that you're not just having to rely on Nick's wizardry, um, there was a U.S. Department Labor of analysis um, of fifty peer review studies. It found when controlling for all of those variables that I just mentioned, the wage gap all but disappears. So that's U.S. Department of Labor analysis of fifty peer review studies. This com- is coming from the that study. It says the wage gap is mostly an artifact of the different choices women make. Field of study, professions, work-life balance, hours worked, and parental duties. Cool. So what makes you think that that does not account for the 15.3%?
3: Okay, I think – should I go first? Go for it. Yeah, so I think it does. I think um, it sounds like there's some factors in there um, that contribute to women making less, Um, I guess, over the course of their life as an expression of their weekly earnings. I guess for me where I believe the difference is is the reasons – for things like job choices, uh, having children, and uh, the reasons that women are working less hours um, in a week, but also over the course of their lifetime. Um, So we'll start with, we start with job choice. For example, women generally are in professions that pay less. So they're more likely to be in roles like childcare, uh, teachers, nurses, men are more likely to be in things like financial sort of fields and, you know, things like that. So I guess I believe that the research actually shows it's a bit of a chicken and egg argument is the job, but just a job that pays shit and then women choose it. Or um, does it pay shit because women choose it? And the research actually shows a really comprehensive study was done um, on uh, over you know 15-year period and what happens to the patterns in jobs. And what happens is the more women move into a particular uh, field of work, the less that field of work is seen as valuable and the less prestigious it comes, the more women are in it. And the more men move into a field of work and it becomes dominated by men, the more prestigious it becomes and the more uh, wage increases. And the studies sort of looking at the way that we have this, have you guys heard of unconscious bias? Mm -hmm. The way that we have an unconscious bias that we may not even realize we have that I believe I have uh, to see things that men put their time into as more valuable as what women put their time into. Uh, So I can give you some facts. So examples of things like computer programming used to be a pretty menial job that was done by women, but when male programmers began to outnumber female programmers, wages increased. The same can be said for jobs, or the reverse can be said for jobs, such as when women in large numbers started to become designers, wages fell 34 percentage points. Housekeepers, wages fell 21 percentage points. When they became biologists, uh, wages fell 18 percentage points. Uh, so you could argue, sure, that women just choose these jobs and they do choose them. And, you know, I completely agree with you that I don't want to shut down women who choose to take on jobs like that. It's it's their choice. But I would say your chicken and egg sort of argument is that we as a society value less jobs that are dominated by women. We value women's time less. And some research showed that that comes from the fact that we were raised by women who vol primarily, who volunteered their time, who gave up their time to raise us. So we're more naturally inclined to see women in roles uh, where they give extra time and that a man's hours in his day are valued above a woman's. And i also say that I believe there's a lot of social engineering around why women choose the jobs that they choose. Studies were done for children. So at about age five, when children were given – they were given a story about a person who was described as being really, really smart an incredibly smart person. And that person um, wasn't given a name or a gender. And then at the end of the story, they showed all all these kids, um, two men and two women dressed very similar. They, no one looked kind of happier or sadder than anyone or, or anything like that. And they showed the kids, um, the four people, two men, two women and said, who is the person in the story that we're talking about? And, uh, when they're about five, the girls chose the girls and the boys chose the boys. But when they reach the ages of six and seven, so the age where you start going to school and you start learning about the world, uh, the majority of all the children, boys and girls, chose the men as being smarter. Uh, and, you know, you can see it even in uh, who our role models are. So th- there's, it's not a surprise that women are less likely to choose science as a profession. Do you know who we learn about are the heroes of science when we're in school? We learn about Galileo. We learn about Einstein. I can remember one female scientist, and that makes sense because at that time in history, women weren't working as scientists. But there's social engineering around why women choose the, the careers that they choose. Women are more naturally, uh, I believe, socially pressured to be seen as nurturers. What, you should see the look in people's eyes when I tell them, I don't know if I want to have kids. It's this look of shock and also concern about what must be wrong with me that I don't have this maternal nurturing. When I tell people being a stay-at-home mum sounds like the worst job ever. That's not disrespectful to people who are stay-at-home mums, but for me that's not what I want to do. But there's this social pressure for women to be seen as nurturers and why the research shows women are more likely to go into childcare professions or teachers or nurses or not-for-profit sort of jobs, social work jobs that pay less. That was a long spiel. <laughs> I so actually found to break it. it down.
1: Well, one one little thing to add on to that, I am um, talking about undervaluing the work of women. There was uh, I was reading up about a Senate committee who had spoken about that women's work has been historically undervalued and in female dominated industries and jobs and jobs attract lower wages. They were saying that. In terms of what professions actually contribute most to a healthy society and also economically in terms of flow on benefits, what do you think came out number one? What profession comes out number one in its contribution to a healthy society and economic flow on benefits? I actually did read this. What do you reckon, Nick? Would you think childcare?
2: I would have said education. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well there yeah, but childcare childcare specifically. Yeah, childcare specifically. Um, and so if you want to talk about, you know, undervaluing. Childcare workers are paid terribly. Yeah. It's a tricky situation, education and childcare, you mm. know, and how much, we, mm. how much we invest in it. But that's uh, an expression of, you know, undervaluing its, its effect that it has on, on our economy and on, on our society. And it's seen primarily as a woman's job. But you're
2: confusing two different things. You're confusing the amount of money we pay for something and how valuable it is for society. There's things like water is ridiculously cheap, but it's also vital (laughs) for our survival. Mm -hmm. Just because something is cheap doesn't mean that it's not important to us and just because we don't pay. Like a plumber, I really am glad that there are plumbers and when I need one, I really freaking need one. But it doesn't mean that you should just pay a plumber the most as any person in the world just because I value their role so much. It's just no, because there's people that are willing to do that job for a lower amount.
3: But, Nick, it's not the same as water. It's about creating a job and paying for a job that's going to attract incredibly skilled, experienced people who understand how children work and what the needs of children are. It's about trying to attract the right people to that job because it has such an important value on society. But because it's a field dominated by women, it's not seen as prestigious and it's it's seen as a low-skilled job as if it's low skilled. Give me a harder job than looking after other people's children all day and instilling into them characteristics that are going to create a better society. It's an incredibly important job and it's not low skilled and it deserves to be paid more. At any job in education, teachers as well. Yeah. Teachers, man, the ratios in schools and you know how difficult that job is. It's about we want to attract people to those jobs. We We want to attract good people to high level managerial positions because they're going to be running companies. So we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and we give them a car and we give them benefits because we want good people who are experienced and they've studied and they're skilled and they know what they're doing that should go for childcare. It's not the same as water. There's a lot of water out there.
2: And you think there's some discriminatory practices that are going on that are encouraging businesses to pay their CEOs lots of money and for childcare not to pay their workers?
1: I think that there's what uh, Ruby was mentioning before about that unconscious bias that's what I would want to argue, because we all yeah. we all have this bias, and it's instilled. You know, we're conditioned, and it's we're brought up on stereotypes, and it's instilled on us with these thousand tiny little cuts as where, as we're growing up, you get you know all the advertising, all the toys, you get all the pink mm. toys and Barbies and t-shirts to say up, I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah, so you end up with this you know implicit bias that we have that that ends up leading towards. You know, if you're going to say what well, it's, you know, the market decides who gets paid how much. Well, I'm just saying implicit bias informs Mm. what the market chooses to do, that's all.
3: Can I give an example of unconscious bias? In, uh, I believe, the US, so they've started doing blind auditions for orchestras because the rates of women in orchestras was very low. So when women would go for auditions for orchestras, they would make up like 5% of the orchestras. They'd be so low, the women who would get in. So they started to do blind auditions where they put a screen up in front of the people on the panel who decided, so they couldn't see who was playing. And instantly women actually had, I think it was let me have a look, a 50% better chance of getting into that or chosen in that orchestra when the panel couldn't see who was auditioning than if they could see that they were women. In fact, it was even influenced when you could hear their high heels on the stage. And so they started asking people in the orchestra to go barefoot or not wear their shoes in to help keep the balance. And that that's just one example, but there's a million examples of unconscious bias and the way that we we just do. And I do it as well. I'm implicitly more likely to believe something that someone else says if they are a male than I am even sometimes to believe myself. When I listen to your guys' podcast. sometimes, I find myself nodding and agreeing to things that you guys say and then sometimes I go away I'm like that is completely not what I believe at all and when I, I find myself when I have debates with men often agreeing with them before I actually break down their argument and that's just my that's just me and I'm a raging feminist like I you know sometimes don't shave my legs and you know believe in this crazy thing called the gender wage gap like I but I still have those so imagine people who are completely unaware of their bias and what that would be like in the hiring process another example I'm talking a lot but I'm going to keep going. Another example was studies they did um, around a recruitment company being given resumes. Yep. The exact same resume, one had a male's name, one had a female's name and Sorry. Well, I, I've say? seen. I've seen. You've one. seen it. Where, so,
1: where? So the men, like, if it if it had a woman's name,
3: then they were more likely to
1: question what was on that resume yes. and say, so "Has that person actually done
3: that?" I'd like to see proof that she yeah. actually got that grant. In large companies, sixty-two percent of hiring managers uh, said it was extremely probable they would interview the male, while only fifty-six percent said the same about Susan. Um, so they were far more likely to just get an interview based on the fact that they had a male name.
1: And there's all sorts of implicit biases. It's not just gender. Like if you see a particular postcode, you know, there's bias around, you know, who they'll employ around that. So I'm just saying that even though there's laws against this stuff, this sort of stuff goes on.
3: Of course it does. If the law only came in at explicitly saying men and women in what was it, 84, that's not long enough for us as a society to just instantly realize that, you know, men and women are equal and they deserve equal pay for work of equal value. And we don't work like that. No offense to humans, but I don't give them nearly enough credit to just sort of within a few decades, rid themselves of any unconscious bias whatsoever.
1: Do you accept that there's, gender biases out there. I mean, if we're looking at Nick, if we talked about that on the last podcast, that if if there are fights in the national conversation, like what's been going on with, you know, Sarah Hansen-Young and David Lineham, doesn't that say that, you know, there are people holding implicit biases around gender? That's on both sides. And if we're holding implicit biases around gender, then isn't it likely that that can lead in many cases to a bias against women when it comes to the workforce and to pay? Would you accept
2: that? Of course people have biases. There's no doubt about that. Hmm. The thing that I would argue is that you guys are, are just assuming that that's the answer for all of these problems and like there's no assuming evidence for the any answer. of it.
3: Assuming what's the that, answer?
2: That the reason all this stuff exists is because this unconscious bias exists. And, yeah, unconscious bias exists, but you can't just say that it's it's the cause of everything without any evidence for it. Well, we didn't so say the two, it's the cause of everything. Two, no.
3: We said that there are situations in the workplace when men are more likely to be hired over women, men are more likely to be trusted in the workforce over women, men are more likely to be promoted over women. And there was evidence there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so the two things you mentioned, so the orchestra, the blind tests in the orchestra, like the thing you didn't mention, I don't know if it was intentionally or if you didn't Mm. know it, but when those blind auditions were implemented, the number of women auditioning skyrocketed. And so it's not just that all these men that are judging people applying for it are just going, Oh, that's a woman, I'm not gonna appoint them. What's happening is that all of a sudden women think, Oh, it's a blind audition. I don't have to be on stage in front of the person and so they feel more comfortable sure. going but, there and
3: yeah. But that's a great thing, performing. isn't it? <laughs> isn't that for me, good? No, for me, so-
1: but I was going to say that that's symptomatic of of the biases itself in big that the way that they work on women in that but- women don't feel necessarily confident enough in the first place. And,
3: and also Nick, you said that there's not just a panel of people sitting there thinking, you oh, know, I'm not going to hire her cause she's a woman. I'm not saying that at all. I absolutely believe that people, this is why it's called an unconscious bias. People don't realize that it's going on. It comes from growing up in a society that socializes us to believe certain things about men and women. I don't, I absolutely, I mean, there's sexist people out there. Of course there are, but I don't believe that's what's going on in orchestras or in most job places. In some job places, I don't think that's necessarily what's going on. I don't think that it's someone sitting there thinking she's a woman, she can't play.
1: But what did you think that it said then, what you were just saying, Nick?
2: Yeah, so I think you guys are taking something that fits with your political views and mapping it on to these situations. So to me, a far more obvious cause is that, Men are far more willing to engage in competition and women are far less likely to engage in competition. We've talked about this before on another episode when we talked about Wikipedia, that men are very willing to jump on Wikipedia and correct someone else's article, whereas women just don't do it because they don't like competition. They don't like conflict. Whereas men, uh, again, this is a generalization, of course, Mm, um, but men biologically are more willing to jump into conflict, whereas women (laughs) avoid it. So when you have a blind audition, of course, you're going to have more women putting their hand up and saying, yeah, I'll go for that because all of a sudden I'm I'm not competing in front of people. It's blind.
1: But part of, like you said biologically, uh, so you're saying that men are biologically more keen to compete, but... uh, i'm going is it part of the stereotypes is it part of the the conditioning because you know like women are are told when they're trying to compete for for the raise you know in the workforce they're told you know be assertive but don't be too assertive you know told all these contradictions because men will often be seen as oh he was very bold and this is more research that was you know men seen as being bold and women can be seen as not being a team player when they're trying to assert themselves and get that raise you know Again, I just think that talks about the unconscious bias. So what I'm wanting to talk about, I guess, is like, yeah, I I think that there are different roles and different pays, but I think that it's skewed. And I think we need to do more to value the work that women do. We need to do more to encourage women to get into the same sort of, like, it's interesting in some other countries, really poverty stricken countries the men and women go and they, they fight over the same sort of engineering job because it's the highest paying job. But that's in interesting. But in a wealthy country, you know, and the whole family gets behind them to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But do you know why that is, Chris? Why is that? You tell me. <laughs> why is that? So it the reason why is because in poorer countries you don't have a safety net. And if you don't have a safety net, mm. then you just say, well, I need to get the highest paying job yeah, I yeah. can. I mm. have to do that. Mm. And so that's what... People do, regardless of whether they're they're a man or a woman. But so when you're in a country that has a safety net, you are free to then say, right, I don't have to just do whatever pays the most so that my children aren't starving. Instead, I can say, well, what do I actually want to do? And so when women ask themselves that question, they make choices of what they want to do. And all I'm saying is let's let them choose whatever the hell they want to do and not stop judging them and saying, well, they have to go after the highest paying job. They don't have to. They can choose whatever they want. And if they want to be childcare workers, go for it. That is an important job. Will you be paid as much? No, you won't. But it might be something you love and what you are built for.
1: Yeah, true that, sure. cool. All I was going to say is that, you know, we have much lower rates of women choosing things like uh, engineering or, or working in tech and so on, whereas in other poorer countries, they do do it. And they do it 50-50 and they do it just as well. And I think that part of our, our society and our bias can lead us to think that women aren't as good at that. In a wealthy society where you can buy lots of things like toys that tell you that you're going to be a homemaker and stuff, yeah, it starts yeah. to skew your image of what you think that you does. can do. Yeah, so, of course it does. So that's so you all. Think
2: it- yeah, go on. So you th- so you think the reason that people in Western societies have a wage gap is because there's pink toys and blue toys and that skews what they think they can do <laughs> instead of having a wa- instead of having a safety net where they're actually free to choose whatever they want. You think it's more likely to be the gendering of toys?
3: I think there's a- like
2: that's an example, of course. I know that's not your whole argument. But no, yeah, like that's- it's
3: it's part. I think it's part of it. I think it's a contributing factor. More likely. Yeah. I, I don't think you give enough credit to social pressure, Nick. I don't think you like this, but maybe it's because you haven't felt the social pressure that a woman has felt to become a mother or to be a nurturer or to be soft and gentle. Be assertive but not too assertive. These kind of messages that I can promise you um, as a woman, I like it's terrifying to argue with people but I do it and I'm constantly having messages in my head as a woman of don't come across as too bossy, don't come across as too cold, be gentle in your response acknowledge when people are right. And some of those messages are good. I think we need them for discussions. But a lot of those messages stop women from feeling like they can, for example, negotiate their wage. Women are far less likely to negotiate wage with a boss. And um, I'm trying to imagine a scenario in which I would ever do it. I don't know if I ever would unless I felt really, really, really safe with that boss. But I would be worried that I wouldn't be seen as being there for the right reasons and all the research tells us that that is true. That is how women are more likely to be seen if they try and negotiate their wage particularly in the process of actually applying for a job Uh, they're more likely to be seen as like what Nick was uh Chris was saying as not team players so you know there's reasons that we feel that way and there's reasons that we'll hesitate to be more competitive or stand up for ourselves or speak up or be blunt or interrupt people and it's it's very complex I don't think you can boil it down to because of pink toys and blue toys but I certainly think that is a contributing factor
2: So despite Chris and I both being men and presumably Mm. not being exposed to those same social pressures you're talking about, Mm. we have both chosen to work in uh, Mm. feminine-dominated industries. And Chris, I would bet a million dollars that neither you nor I have asked for a raise and can't imagine a situation where we would because Chris and I are more feminine males and we are more likely to just go along with things and not rock the boat. Sure. It's not social pressure. I mean, yeah, that social pressure exists, but it's not that. It's just biological.
3: It's only biological. You don't think there's any element of social pressure? I can oh, at least acknowledge there that course there's, there bo- there's both.
2: Yeah, of course there is, but the okay. idea that it's the driving factor is just—I don't see any evidence for it.
3: Well, I think there's certainly exceptions and don't get me wrong. I think this is improving. I definitely think that this is improving. I think we're moving in the right direction and I think less and less women are feeling pressure to be mums if they don't want to be mums or to be stay-at-home mums. I mean, I have a great workplace that really encourages, um, you know, we have a breastfeeding room at work and we have a gender equity committee and there's, you know, there's a lot of people uh, it's made very possible for people to work part-time or to work from home even if that they need to. So I work in a great workplace and I think that's becoming more and more comment i'm just saying we're not there yet and it's okay to acknowledge that yes we've come a long way but there's still a way to go there's still more that we can do and yeah i think we should i think we should be committed to starting to value women's work as equally as we value men's
2: so what more do you think we could do then like what is that more that you think that we should do
3: okay one example um that you mentioned is about uh, men work more hours so it doesn't factor in um hourly rates right the wage gap doesn't factor in the fact that men work more hours than women in a week. Is that, that's correct, Nick? Well, it was actually shown that women do um, a whole lot of extra hours. Without uh, being paid. Without being
1: paid as far as housework is concerned.
3: Yes, so that's where I was going. But was, that's,
1: you know, that's another.
3: Um, was, um, give me a sec. Yeah, so women do take time off to have kids and our, we have uteruses and uteri, uteruses. I don't know know. the plural of uterus. (laughs) I'm a terrible feminist. You've (laughs) only got one. I only have one. I never need to use that as a plural. Um, So, uh, yes, women take more time off to have kids. I guess some people will look at that and say, well, whatever, they have a uterus, they're the only one who can do it. We just need to say it's collateral damage. There's nothing we can do about it. I actually say that's not fair. And we as a society need to be like, okay, how can we help this be equal so that women can have kids and they can choose to stay at home with those kids if they want to. But so that we create workplaces where they don't have to, and that they can be empowered to return to the workplace if they want to. So an example in Sweden uh, would be that um, they give paid parental leave mm. and they actually require men and women to use some of that parental leave. So or not just men and women, that's obviously same-sex couples, but both parents need to share in that parental leave. And if both parents don't share it um, at different times, if both parents don't take some of it, then they don't get that paid parental leave. So it has to be both parents. And what has happened in Sweden because of that is now men and women are actually basically 50-50 almost in terms of unpaid domestic labour. So what happens is when women are at home with the kids, they're expected to do much more domestic labour. Australia, it's actually pretty bad. One quarter of adult men in Australia in the census said they do zero hours of housework a week so men on average do less than five women on average do between five and 14 hours of unpaid domestic housework you know that's in australia Um, the world economic forum estimates that women do on average three hours and 17 minutes more unpaid work than each day than men and so what's happened in sweden to help mitigate that so that women don't have as much pressure at home is that they actually require if you want to get paid for parental leave both parents need to take some of that parental leave and I think that's just one way that we can help to actually uh, create an environment where women's time is seen as just as valuable and where women aren't doing the lion's share of the domestic housework. And even, in fact, the research shows that when women are the primary breadwinner, they still do more of the unpaid domestic labor on average, not always, but on average in Australia. And when the woman is the breadwinner and the man actually is in an unpaid role at home, so he's not actually in a paid role, it's still on average, about 50-50 the housework is. So that's one area that we can start to improve by not seeing as clean a toilet is a woman's job but it actually should be shared no matter who's at home with the kids.
2: But how would we change that?
3: Like do what Sweden does. They're 50-50 now in terms of housework almost and that is a result... Paternity leave. That's a result of paternity so not, leave. Not so encouraging yep, yep. encouraging both parents, men and women, to stay at home with the kids because they are able to. I mean... And like my workplace is great. They have a breastfeeding room. So women not only can breastfeed while they're at work if they need to, can pump or people can bring their child in, but they're actually it's the company is telling them not only can you do it, we've created an environment where you feel safe to and where you feel free to. You're not being demonized for taking 10 minutes out of your day to go and do that. We want to create a workplace where it's possible for you to do it and where you feel safe to do it and that your employer actually understands it's not your fault you have breasts.
2: No. Surely. Like you mentioned like laws that could be brought in to increase quote unquote gender equality. Mm. Are you aware that in the countries with greater gender equality that the proportion of women taking degrees in the STEM fields goes the opposite direction, so it decreases?
3: Yeah, I've heard so of that. So
2: the higher gender equality in the Scandinavian countries for instance, the mm. lower rates of women taking STEM positions?
3: STEM is science, technology, economics or something? Engineering
2: and mathematics.
3: Yeah, I'm, I think that's really interesting. What's your understanding of the reason for that?
2: Uh, we don't know the reason for it. Okay. What I presume, what, like so what I would read out of that is that, mm. again, the more you take society out of it, the more biology comes to the fore. And biology is brutal. It is just that men prefer some things, women prefer other things. Men prefer working with things. Women prefer working with people.
1: But my Yeah, but my thing is why can't we value the things that men and women prefer equally?
2: So again, you're saying we should take the free market out of these areas and say we're going to artificially inflate the rate of pay in certain industries because women work in them.
3: Well I'd say we should increase the rate of pay in certain industries because they're more valuable than we give them credit for not all I mean I'm a bit of a Bernie Sanders supporter so I definitely believe in you know increasing the in minimum wage and you know and and valuing things like childcare and education which women happen to dominate no, well, that's what I believe. I don't think – I didn't really say take the free market out of it, but I definitely think that we need to be – yeah, like what um Chris said, the STEM fields, I think we probably value those more as a society. They're seen as more prestigious, but I just don't think they are. In terms of the flu- – Oh, well, the flow and effects for society, I believe that they, they certainly contribute. But the financial um, industries, for example, are the highest paying and they're seen as, you know, the most – well, they actually – Take they, money They out. damage – they take money out yeah. of society, like, you know, the global financial crisis, so ones that are dominated by men. So they yeah. don't contribute much at all,
1: those, those fellas. But one thing I did find interesting was uh, just on the International Women's Day just gone Energy Australia – they spent $1.2 million and boosted the salaries of 350 women in their organization because they they had a look at their salary packages and saw that women were, I think, getting paid 17.3% less for the same jobs, and so they've closed that gap. They just decided, well, that's it. Sorry it's taken so long for us to fix this problem, but we're closing the gap. So 350 women are getting about $3,500 more The company's employees strongly back the move. They're also promising to do a review in five years to ensure that the men haven't negotiated their way back on top because the men are likely to, you know, push harder to negotiate for, you know, higher wages.
3: Actually, to add to that, Belgium has the lowest gender pay gap in in the world, and it's about 3.3%. And the research shows that the biggest reason for that is about 50% of the country, over 50% of the country is part of a trade union. So it's actually when you take out the individual negotiation, you know, individually seeking promotion, and it's actually uh, rates of pay are set. Um, There's an agreed way that they're set in, in a different way by the unions then that's when the gender pay gap closes so belgium got yeah. to that somehow like they still have biology in belgium but they got to 3.3 percent somehow
2: well you just explained how instead yeah. of if i have a so the negotiation, i can't just employ whoever i want for however much i want i actually am forced to so you are taking the free market out i'm forced to pay everyone the same amount
3: but so it takes unconscious bias out of it it takes women being penalized for trying to negotiate their pay, it takes that out of it and men being rewarded for it. It, it takes those factors out of it. And as a result, women are paid almost equally.
1: It's interesting because I, you know, as you were saying before, both you and I do work in, in a field which is predominantly more feminine. And so I don't really come across much of a gender wage gap issue. Because I think it's when more when you get, you know, when it comes to lower class or middle class or you know, low income, middle income. There's not that much discrepancy. I wouldn't have thought it's when you go higher into the leadership roles and managerial roles and so on that they're, you know, it's like when you've got like 10% of women in managerial roles, 10% of women in government, you know, you've got, like, we're the Eternity Ward. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, religions and stuff. 2% of women at the head of religious institutions worldwide. So, it's in leadership that it happens a lot. But where I am, everyone gets paid the award wage. Bang. That's yeah. it.
2: So, why do you think that women are underrepresented in higher, like, managerial positions, CEOs, that sort of thing? That's unconscious bias?
3: Yeah. Or outright I bias? Think, yep. A few reasons. Yeah. I think
1: that there's a lot to do with that, yeah.
3: Yeah, unconscious bias um, I'd say is one of them. Certainly women do take time off to have kids. Um, and I think part of that's biological. I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely say part of that is. And then part of it, I think, is social pressure for women to stay at home with the kids and be the primary caregiver for a longer period of time. Generally, not always. But even uh, recruitment agencies have actually been found in the UK specifically by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission, where actually found that recruitment agencies were being asked by companies to screen out women of childbearing age when they made referrals. So sometimes it's unconscious, sometimes it's blatant sexism But absolutely, I think you Whoa, know,
2: whoa, blatant sexism?
3: Yeah, it's so illegal think- It's illegal to not hire a woman Because she's of a childbearing age Or not hire someone mm. because they're a woman
2: Yeah, but sexism would indicate it's because you hate women Like they're not no. doing it because they hate women They're doing it because like they don't care about the gender They don't want a person to take a significant amount of time off work Where they won't be working Because that impacts a company
3: but you're Is discriminating it Yeah, because... it's illegal. So do you think it's okay or you just don't think it's sexism?
2: It's definitely not sexism, but I don't know if I think it's okay. I don't know. Should the free market be allowed to work there? Maybe, maybe not. Um, okay. Can we it's just... definitely not sexism. It's not because they hate women. It's just because they see an economic cost to having a specific group of people in their organisation. Again, I'm not saying that's right. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know.
3: Okay. Can I just say the definition of sexism? Sure. Very quickly prejudice stereotyping or discrimination on the basis of sex. So that is stereotyping that she's going to leave quickly and want to go have kids um, and that's prejudice against her based on the fact that she's female not based, and based on her age not based on her skills her experience her qualifications anything she said or hasn't said in an interview purely based on her sex and, and her age.
1: Does it say nothing about hate?
3: No, there's nothing about hate in there. You don't have to hate women to be sexist. A lot of people love women in lots of different uh respects and uh, absolutely sexist. It's about prejudice and it's about discriminating against someone based purely on the fact that they are a woman and no other factors come into it. A woman or you know ageism as well. Right. Well, I'm so
2: confused. What's your point?
3: That, that it is sexism.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see that. The issue there isn't the sex of the person. It's that they are capable of having a child and a lot of people in their 20s and 30s have children.
3: But the only thing they have to go on that she's going to have children is that she's a woman. That's all they're going on. She hasn't said she's age. planning on leaving. And the age. So ageism and sexism, I'll say that they're both at play. They're not going on anything that she's said. They're not going on any, you know, the fact that she's walked into the interview and said, I should just say um, six months we're going to start trying for a baby. There's nothing about this woman about in her resume that, well, they haven't even seen the resume. They don't even want to see it. All they're saying is screen out a particular sex and a particular age. I don't see how that can possibly be anything but sexism slash ageism. It's o- it's okay to acknowledge that there's sexism. Like it, it's, it exists, it's real. And I experience it regularly and I've had it in my job and it happens. It doesn't mean you're a sexist person. It just means that it exists and it exists in the workplace and sometimes it's rampant. I'm a bit astounded
1: that you and think that it comes across as you sounding like that that might be okay for a company to make that decision because I, you know, when a child is born a man and a woman produce that child Ooh. and it's been shown that, you know, if you look at a graph, you know, women are earning pretty much the same as men. And as soon as they have a child, it drops away, but men just keep going, but it's men yeah. and women have the child, you know, but it, it costs the woman.
3: <laughs> but so it doesn't so cost-
1: that's
2: sexism too.
3: Not necessarily. It's yeah, I, I mean, you know, it well, I be- do disagree it, it with it both of de- you pretty depends strongly on whether- this stuff.
1: Yeah, okay, so you're saying it becomes a choice of what the woman then chooses to do with her life after she's had that child and you want to give her
2: that choice. Yes, and, and yes. we shouldn't be saying I, women, I would, you, I you wanna, shouldn't yeah. stay at home. We should be saying women, you should stay at home because breastfeeding is one of the most important things you can do for your children and men can't do it.
3: Yeah. Sure, but you also don't have to stay at home to breastfeed. Like I, I would definitely, I mean, if I had kids, I'd want to stay at home for at least, I reckon, six months and I'd probably be listening to the parenting experts out there and then I'd hope that when I, if I came back after six months that I, my work would allow me to breastfeed at work until about a year or whatever the recommended amount of time is. I mean, I don't see why you can't have both.
2: I can see that you can't see why you can't have both, but if you're the employer of that company, can you not see that that is a massive cost if you're going to say, We're not even going to bother trying to screen people out even if they're going to be taking six months off work and then when they come back they're going to be taking time out every three hours or whatever it is to breastfeed.
3: Yeah, like I guess the difference between us potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the difference between us is I see that that happens and that in some ways it's, it's obviously unavoidable women are the ones who give birth to the children, but I believe that justice and equality is about creating a society where it doesn't have to disadvantage women, where employers can't say that they're not going to have a job for you when you get back, or the employers can screen out women of childbearing age. I want us to have a society where uh, women have just as many opportunities, even when they have kids, the man and the woman don't sit down and decide, okay, who's going to give birth. That's not a choice. It's a choice if they want to stay at home for a long period of time, if they decide to quit their job and stay, that's absolutely a choice that any woman should be allowed to make. And a man and a woman should be able to choose between them, which one of them does that. Or if they choose to use childcare, a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I just think that we have a responsibility if we want a strong and fair and just society for everyone regardless of their sex or their age or their race or their religion that we need to be able to create a workplace that's conducive to women once they've had kids and they want to return to work and they don't want to be disadvantaged or turned down for a promotion because of that. And you know, if that sometimes means that a workplace needs to make a breastfeeding room or hire someone in a temporary role while a woman goes on maternity leave, um, and yes, that does take time and resource. I see that as necessary to adjust society. And perhaps you see it as it's a biological thing that we can't avoid. I don't know. It could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I think I do think biology plays a bigger difference than you you guys mm. seem to. And I also think. There seems to be a naive idea that you can have everything and I just don't think you can have everything. You, you have to make choices in your life and if you choose to have kids, that's a choice you make and it will shut doors that would have been open to you if you had have chosen not to have kids. If you choose not to have kids, different doors will be open to you. Now to say that one is better than the other, yeah, that's for every every individual gets to make that choice as to what's right for them. And I don't think we should like be saying that you can have everything. You can't have everything. If you have a kid, it will affect your work. It will affect your salary. It will affect how far you go in your organization. And that's not sexism. It's just that you will love your kid and you will want to be there for your kid and you will give up things because you believe that your kid is more important.
3: Hmm. Yeah. I guess I'm just saying having a kid will cost you. I'm saying, I don't think it should cost a woman who has a kid more than it costs a man who has a kid. If you choose to have a kid, it should cost the same whether you're male or female. That's, that's what I believe and maybe we fundamentally disagree on that and we'll never no, agree. No, no, I don't think we do. No, okay. I
2: agree with you on that. The, the, the thing that I disagree with is the idea that men and women are going to make the same choice because for thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, women have stayed at home and looked after the kids. So that is in the DNA of every woman on this planet and for men. Men went out and were the hunter-gatherers and that's just in our DNA. That's the biology that I think is there. Yeah, but yeah. we
3: also used to kill each other because we felt like it and people got raped all the time. I mean, we, we evolve as a species. We get better. We learn morality. We, we figure out that we don't have to just respond to our basic instincts. We can actually create a society where things are equal. It's not just because we did something when we were cavemen, we have to do it forever. Cave people, sorry, to be politically correct.
2: No, so if there's something in our biology that is causing harm to other people, absolutely we need to struggle against it and it will be a struggle, but we need to struggle against it. But if it's just something that's causing men and women to make different choices, that's not a harm to society. It's just making different choices.
3: Yeah. If it makes women happy
2: to stay at home with kids, brilliant, they should stay at home with kids. If it makes them happy to go out and work, brilliant, go out and work.
3: Yeah, but they can't because people are screening them when they're at childbearing age. Yeah, So So you're saying they should be able to choose it. I'm saying then they don't get to. They get screened out when they're a woman of childbearing age even if they don't want to have kids. Even if a woman has decided she's never having kids because she wants to focus on her career, that recruitment agency says we're not even going to give you an interview. We won't even read your resume because you might have kids.
2: Yeah, so what you're saying is that companies should be forced to employ people who have a whatever percentage chance of leaving the workforce.
3: I'm saying... That companies should make the decisions on who gets a job based on skills, qualifications, experience, and character slash personality, not based on what choices they may or may not make a year in the future, if the only way they have to determine how they make that choice is their sex and age. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yep.
1: Did you watch that Michael Moore documentary, Where to Invade Next? Have you seen that one?
2: No, I haven't Nick? seen that one. Ruby?
1: You haven't? No. All oh, right.
2: So he goes. Are you talking to, about the France part in it? It might be. Is that where. I've seen the France part in it where they have like nannies that come to your house.
1: It might have been France because he went to different nations that were sort of like the world leaders in different things. So the world leader in education or whatever because it's like America's always, we're number one. And it's like, well, actually, no, we're not in a whole bunch of areas. So he went to find out who was number one on certain things. And. I don't know if it was France, but it was a European country. Number one on maternity and paternity leave, he was speaking to these employers, the company and asking, how do you afford to pay for all of this? You know, And the employer was just like, well, we value this. As a company, as a nation, we decided that this was worth it. So they, they give out huge amounts of maternity and paternity leave. And, and so it doesn't impact on people's choices mm. the, the same as it does within our nation so this is what i'm like going why can't we be more like that why because it seems to me that we if we leave it to the market you know we value we value money here and we value profit you know and that's that's the driving force you know behind someone deciding that they're not going to employ someone of a child bearing age yeah. who's female because it's going to cost them yeah. some money so I, I that makes sense yeah it makes sense but th- that's something that's wrong because we surely, this guy was saying we care about our employees. We're not. We don't care about making the most amount. We care about making a good living for everyone in our company. Why can't we do that? There's there's a problem in our society. If we don't value the people, and if their structures aren't supporting the people, then yeah, maybe it does need to be imposed. Maybe there needs to be some more regulations, some more laws. But I I just. Like what this, what this other company, this Australia Energy did, you know, this went, well, we're just going to fix our issue. Like more people just to do that. Because I don't necessarily think that this is the biggest issue facing feminism. I no, don't, I, don't I don't think so. Because uh, I, like you were saying earlier, we've made extraordinary strides. And I think that's in in huge part to, to feminism. But so it's not all doom and gloom. But if we can get better, and if there are problems, no matter how big or how small we might agree or disagree on, on what they are, then- you know, I'm just like, well, let's just get better.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Let's learn from countries where they've made it work, and yeah, acknowledge we always have room to grow. I agree. This is a, this is probably why in the last podcast I wasn't as prepared for this. It's it's not necessarily where I think the biggest issues are for us and for women, but I but I also do think sometimes it's it's one of those things that trickles down. Mm. Um, you know, we value women's time less in jobs and. Evidenced by what I was saying about uh, the Oxford Journal study about the way that more, when more women move into a male-dominated field and becomes female-dominated, wages go down. When males move into a historically female-dominated field, wages go up. Uh, so that study sort of shows, you know, that there's an attitude that we have towards women. So I I don't necessarily think it's it's doing the most harm or damage right now but i think it could you could be seen as one of those it's thing those things that trickle down and the more that we're able to bring to light some of those issues with unconscious bias or just blatant sexism i would hope that some of that trickles down into our everyday treatment of women or the some of the more serious issues that women are facing
1: what do you think we can do nick do you think anything needs to be
2: done in terms of the gender wage gap yeah like i i don't know but what would you
1: even like to see like because you know, often you you sort of argue strongly against, and it can come across that because you're arguing arguing strongly against us who are being very sort of feminist on this, that that you can come across as like anti inequality or something. But and I know that's not what you what you like. You you care about equality. Right? Yeah.
2: So every individual should be free to make whatever choices they choose to make. Mm-hmm. And if, if a man and a woman are together as a couple, they should be able to choose who does the housework at home and who goes out to work. And they should get to choose who stays at home with the kid. It should be left up to every individual to make up yeah. what choices they make. That's, I don't think you need any more laws other than that support those
3: You and I had this discussion on the last podcast, Nick, a little bit about choice though and that choice is a very easy word to sort of throw around. Well, it's your choice. It's your choice. And uh, speaking as a former youth worker, um, I think it's pretty obvious to me that the kids I work with while they make choices and often not very good ones, they're not necessarily choosing from the same options that you and I are and they're not necessarily choosing with the same skills and tools at their disposal. And that's not to trivialise the choices women make to stay home with kids and to say that they didn't know what they were doing, Um, not at all. But it's just to put the word choice into a broader context that I don't actually believe we all make the choices out of the exact same options with the same skills, opportunities, resources at our disposal to make those choices. No, um, of course we don't. Yeah. So, so I guess when we But how we say- do you force
2: that on people then? How do you force them to make the choice that they really should be making, but they just keep making the wrong choice?
3: It's not about forcing them to make a choice. I think it's about creating more opportunity um, so that factors like money don't need to come into play as much. So, for example, um, encouraging you know better conditions for paternity leave um, so that it's not always just the easier choice for women to stay at home, but so that you know men and women are both encouraged to take leave and so that there are those equal choices. And then again, coming back to social pressure and judgment that is on women who choose not to stay home with their kids but to pursue a career.
2: But again, like I said, like the more gender equality you have in a country, the less women will go into those high-paying positions, those high-paying industries. They will choose whatever their biology tells them to choose.
3: So you're saying that there is less gender equality in this country? Than the... uh, Scandinavian countries or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. So can't we just... At least get to a place where there's more gender equality and then allow people to make those choices rather than say, "Well, you'd make that choice anyway,
2: so that women choose to go into even poorer occupations.
3: No, so that women choose what they want to choose from the same options that men are choosing from.
2: yeah, absolutely,
3: and, and then see what happens.
2: yeah, we should do, we should have any laws that increase the opportunity for individuals to make the choices that they want to make. Cool, absolutely okay.
3: great, awesome. We agree on that. We agree. <laughs>
2: But that'll increase the gender wage gap, not decrease it.
3: Okay. I'm not sure that that's true.
2: Even though it is true in the countries with greater gender equality.
3: Well, sure, but do they still pay lower rates for jobs that are predominantly female jobs, childcare, education?
2: So their society values gender equality but would still undervalue women's work?
3: I don't know. You're the one who's saying that they're a more gender-equal society. I'm asking you.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going off the research that I read.
3: Yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I'm open to seeing that maybe the effects of uh, more gender equality would not have the outcome that I think it would. I mean, absolutely, that might be the case. But you're saying that Australia has less gender equality. I'm saying let's... Let's change that and so that women and men get to choose from the same options. People aren't being screened out based on the fact that they might choose to have kids because in that case women aren't actually choosing from the same option. They're less likely to be given an interview because they're a woman, so they're not choosing from the same options. They're choosing from less job opportunities.
1: Well, uh, I think we've covered a bunch on this topic, so it might be time to start moving to a conclusion. Towards finishing I've got life. an idea. You've We've
2: got an idea. Okay. We've talked about steel manning, Chris. Yes. I was wondering if we could finish with some steel manning. Like I yes. could re-articulate yeah. what your guys' view is and yeah. you yeah. guys can articulate what my view is. Yeah, sure. Okay. In an effort of bringing ourselves together.
3: Sounds good. As long as in the editing process, you don't cut my argument and then just play that for the whole podcast. that's an idea. Well, <laughs> I'm giving Nick an idea. He's not, an this idea. is the one that will be editing
2: yeah. it, so I think you're in safe oh, hands.
3: Okay, cool. Thanks. Just do that to Nick, Chris, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, now
2: you feel it, ease, don't
3: you? <laughs> Okay. Can I just clarify steel manning? So straw manning. Yeah. It's the, it's not. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite. So we're trying to
1: present their best argument yes. as articulately as we can yep. to show that we've, we've understood it. it yeah. Yeah. Cool. Which I think is a fantastic concept and yeah. I
3: you guys should end all your podcasts. Like I actually this.
1: had it written down here as a question for you, Nick. I was going to say, at some point, if it came up, could you steal man Ruby's argument, Nick? Hey, there you go. look you at you us too, Chris. It? I know, we're thinking. Great minds. Actually, actually, no, there you go. I had Nick or Ruby. I was going to ask that at either of those view. See, Ruby can confirm. Yeah, no,
3: I'll, I'll steal man. Uh, can I steal woman the argument? Yeah, but well, that's oh, fine.
2: Yeah, good point. Good yeah. point. Look at that
3: Just so that our unconscious bias. bias doesn't play factor in too yeah. much to our arguments. All right,
1: shall we? <laughs> so shall we attempt to steal man each other's points of view? Steel
2: woman, Chris. Steel
1: Jesus. woman.
3: You're implying that only men are made of steel, oh, but you do say straw man too, so. We should I call it
2: straw still. woman, straw woman, and steel man.
1: <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> so who's uh, going first? Are you going first, Nick?
2: I'm happy to go first. All right. All right. So this is Ruby slash Chris's views on the gender wage gap. So gender discrimination is real and plays a large role, not the only role, it's not the sole role, but it plays a large role in producing the gender wage gap. Social pressures drive women to make choices they otherwise would not, leaving them with the unequal burden of household duties and raising kids. It also leads them into lower paying occupations. Unconscious bias leads organisations to undervalue female workers with things like men will be described as being bold whereas if a woman did the same action they'd be called demanding or a bitch or something along those lines. Uh, That idea of unconscious bias is evidenced by the John and Jennifer resume experiment that showed that employers valued men over women even when they have the exact same experience and education levels, and also the blind auditions conducted by the orchestras, um, leading to a 50% increase in females in orchestras. And finally, the work of women is less valued, as shown by the Oxford Journal study, which showed that when women move into a given industry, that industry's average salary decreases, and the reverse happens, that when more men enter a given industry, that that average uh, salary increases. So, bujakasha, gender discrimination is real, and the evidence is overwhelming. How's that? Cool.
3: Yeah, nice. I'm slow clapping for those at home who mm. think that that's You're just nice. Um, <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Now, now it's our turn. Nick's was way more in depth than mine is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not going to refer to all of his, the studies that he brought up. Nick,
3: or- I'll be honest. I wasn't listening when you were talking tonight. <laughs> yeah. And there's, you know, so <laughs> when I say these things, just keep in mind, you know, I've made it all up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, good. But mine's not as detailed, Chris. So do you want me to go and then you add?
1: I'll, I'll add something You some solidify, steel. Yeah. you still
3: woman my argument. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? It's also not quite as word for it. Just, okay, just bear with me. <laughs> All people should be free to make the choices they want for their life, whether that be to have children or not, and once they have children, to work or stay at home with their children, whether they are male or female. And nobody should be paid less based on the fact that they are male or female. There is a wage gap in Australia and around the world. However, the factors that contribute to that wage gap are based, I said solely, but correct me if that's wrong, solely on people's free choices that they make based on human biology. For example, Scandinavian countries where gender equality is better, women have made choices to go less into the STEM type fields and men have chosen to go into those fields more. Oh, Other factors that come from our own personal choices and from our biology are a woman's desire to have and raise children, uh, things like being uh, naturally less inclined to compete, uh, which shows itself in things like being willing to compete for a job or negotiate wage or go for a promotion, and just naturally being drawn to jobs that pay less. The wage gap is a result of men and women choosing jobs and lifestyles that are attractive or suitable to them and are not a result of discrimination.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, men would potentially choose more dangerous jobs and end up with with danger money. Uh, There was also, I'm probably reading a bit into some of what you're saying and not just parroting back what you're (laughs) saying, Nick, but, but, you know, I think you would suggest that... You know, we have market systems that work and capitalism is one of the best systems in the world to raise a wealthy nation and being a wealthy nation, it would mean that our modern life, our modern world, you know, women have it pretty good and they can do whatever they want to, Um, but there is a complicated mix of biology and environment that contributes towards, you know, the choices that we make and and these choices were like under law way back in 1969 we've had laws that have embraced equality it's enshrined within our within our constitution i guess that we do uh see women's role and women's place in society as as equal fast club fast club guys
3: yeah
1: awesome
3: do we feel like we've bonded as a team yeah. over our steel womaning? Okay, yeah, sure.
2: I mean, I liked it. I, I find it really helpful to go through that process of having to articulate someone else's view. Yeah,
3: yeah. Has anyone changed their mind about anything or think- learned something new?
2: I'm keen to go away and research. You talked about um, an Oxford Journal study about women moving into occupations and men moving into occupations. If you've got a link to that, I would love to read that. I've done some Googling and I haven't been able to find it. So if you can find that and pass that on, that would be awesome.
3: I heard in my research about for tonight, I did hear Jordan Peterson talking about the Scandinavian countries, which I think because it's quite recent, it's hard to know necessarily exactly what the causes are or, you know, yeah. It's something that I feel like I want to look into more as well. Thanks for coming on again, Ruby, being our- No worries,
1: guys. Our first, second person.
3: I feel honored that I'm your first, second person. And I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but- (laughs) No, we like you oh thanks guys
2: what are we going to get you on for the third time do
3: you know what would be cool to do something around um faith and feminism because i feel like we haven't necessarily got much into like different faiths and how women are impacted in in countries with majority islam and majority christian yeah let's do that stuff like that it could be interesting we will get you back on please do
1: you'll be our first third
3: oh my gosh it's an honor when am i going to start getting paid
1: (laughs) When we value your work. Enough. When
3: I, hey guys, if I can get you to a certain amount of downloads, will you pay me? Like, can I get some commission or something? Yes.
2: If you get us to a billion downloads.
3: <laughs> if I was a man, would you require less downloads of me, Nick?
2: No, it's just uh, if we got to the point where you guys we don't actu- get paid. <laughs> yeah. If, if you get us to the point where we get paid, I'm happy to share it with you. Done. Equally, 50-50. There you okay. go. Well, it would actually be 33,
3: 33, 33. 33.3%. I'll take it. Cool.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye.
3: Goodbye. Goodbye. I did it. Oh, don't interrupt you. No. I hijacked your goodbye. No, you didn't. Bye, Ruby. Well, what does Nick say? Bye, Nick.
2: I still love you, Ruby. You're fantastic.
3: Oh, I still love you too. And I, I like Robin too. give her a high five for me. I will.
2: Yeah, she'll probably even listen to that. So there you
3: go. Oh, hi, Robin. Thanks, guys. Cheers.
2: Cheers, Chris. All right. We're done. We're done.
0: out here again. Are you shaking your head incredulously or nodding in approval? Well, if you got something out of this episode, you could really help those poor idiots by contributing to or supporting the Eternity Ward. You can leave reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. You can share it on social media or discuss it in your blog, podcast or fellowship group. Subscribe, like, nod your head, raise your fist, send a hallelujah. I don't know, but don't send a prayer because I'm kind of busy right now. Join the discussion in the comments section. Ask questions and do come back and join us again here on the Eternity Ward. Thank you